Welcome to the Make Workplace Great Again podcast with Sean Sexton and Richie Coombs. On today's podcast, we speak to Suzanne Lloyd. Um, Suzanne is a partner at Arcadis, where she heads up the workplace transformation team. Um, massive thanks to Suzanne, who very kindly came on um, twice due to some technical issues, um, some connectivity issues. Um, we speak about all things workplace um, and talk about the transformation that's currently undergoing the workplace, um, partly due to COVID. So we talk about the past, the present and the future. Um, Richie, what did you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation with Suzanne. Really grateful that that she came on and then, then came back a second time um, after our technical difficulties. I mean, if you work in the workplace industry or in real estate at the moment, wherever you are, you'll find this conversation really insightful. There's some, there's some great, great knowledge, uh, some great information on what's going on in the industry at the moment. So, yeah, hope everybody enjoys it. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Cheers. What kind of, what kind of things have come up, come up over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I only ask because every week is different at the moment. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been having lots of conversations with everyone from the kind of London Stock Exchange through to Transport for London, through to Magnox, you know, nuclear decommissioning organisation, all having these same conversations about, you know, the future of work, the future of the office, the look and feel, the behaviours, the culture. And so it's been really interesting just to have, you know, even more conversations. I think I think one of the main things is that there's no kind of silver bullet answer to this. So when we're having these chats with, with clients, they're saying, you know, what's everyone else doing? And has anybody got the magic formula about, you know, how we should uh, develop our property portfolio in the future and how people should be working? And actually, it's not as straightforward as that because every organization is going to be slightly different. Um, and I think even within organizations, there are particular teams or even types of work that need to be carried out in a certain way. But I think the main thing that's coming through is just that people don't think they'll really ever go back to exactly how it was pre-COVID. You know, they want to use this last, what, nearly a year now of experience to try and think very differently about how they might work in the future. And these are the kind of conversations we're having with everybody, which is, you know, which is, is, re is really good. People are using it as a catalyst for change. Wow. I think last time before our uh, technical difficulties, we, we started off by, um, by talking about um what was the vision for the future prior to covid um yeah you remember that far um yeah no what, absolutely what were clients saying um or what were they thinking um about the workplace in five ten years time prior to COVID? yeah i think to be fair certainly many of the clients that i've been working with and, and speaking to had already started the conversation about the future of the office um, and maybe, you know, and clearly <laughs> not thinking that anything like a pandemic was coming their way, but starting to think about, you know, how do we work differently? How do we perhaps start to think about the key buildings that we have, especially those kind of more administrative type properties rather than the operational ones, I think. So, you know, the big offices where you've got a lot of people going in every day, you know, sitting at a desk with their kind of plants and their photographs of their family and their pedestal and their kind of filing cabinets and I think a lot of clients started to think about well you know is this the way we should be going forward with the, with the workplace or should we be thinking about something slightly different and some of that I think is driven from the cost of property and the increasing cost of property so do organizations need quite as many buildings but I think there's often also a kind of softer side and even before COVID I was having conversations with clients about you know, a heightened recognition about the importance of um, the environment, for example, and sustainability and the amount of travel that people were having to do to get to the office. And then when they were there around, you know, how they were sitting at that same desk in that same chair every day, you know, that's not great for your kind of well-being. So could there be more movement around the office to different types of workspace? Um, and then I think there's also the kind of the talent issue as well you know there's a war for talent out there so if one organization is thinking about giving flexibility about how you work and where you work to their employees um, and you're not as an organization then are you going to be able to attract the right people um, into your company so 
certainly, you know, pre-COVID, many organizations were at least starting to think about getting on that journey. And in many of them, obviously, it was taking some time to get to any kind of decision about what they wanted to do. And of course, they were starting to come across challenges already around would, would managers trust staff to work from home? You know, would they be taking the dog for a walk and put the washing on or going for a run or whatever? And how do you manage performance if you don't see somebody physically in the office as opposed to kind of working from home and having that flexibility? So, you know, that aspect of kind of trust and presenteeism were all kind of part of the mix of the conversation. Um, and then I think obviously what's happened since COVID is that there's been this kind of proof point in a way that, although you know COVID's been so horrific in many many circumstances one of the positives that I feel that's coming out and and what clients are talking to me about is that actually it's given them an opportunity to understand and and see the fact that actually you know people can work from home people can work away from the core office and still deliver great outputs and great results but just from a very different um environment um albeit some have had to cope with homeschooling and obviously being locked down and can't nip out in the way that they would normally want to do. So it's not a real working from home, but it's certainly given people an idea that it can be done and therefore they should maybe think more radically about what the future might look like, I think, for the office. I think with the um, scepticism around working from home that, that sort of pervaded before, people are now to work from home in the hardest possible scenarios, you know, like you yeah. said, kids at home and um, under these COVID conditions has proved that point that it, that it can work. Um, and you alluded to um, performance management. Do you think that mm -hmm. the organizations will really have to look at how they manage performance and, and which metrics they use to manage, uh, to, to manage performance based on having a remote work workforce? Yeah, I think so. I've had some quite interesting conversations with clients recently about this. So some are saying, um, well, for those roles whereby it's quite easy to kind of to count and to kind of articulate the amount of work that's being done. So whether you're um, a call centre agent and you're answering so many calls per day or you're getting through a certain caseload and therefore that can be kind of quantified quite easily. For many roles, it's more difficult to do that. But then I suppose the challenge that I've been pushing back to my clients is around, well, how did you manage performance in the office? And how different is that to managing performance when somebody's working from a different office, as in our home office? And is there really any differential? And do people really need that kind of presenteeism and somebody looking over their shoulder to be able to manage actually what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? So I've been having some quite interesting conversations about managing performance, and maybe it's something that's not, not necessarily that well done in some organizations, and they feel therefore that, um, with the majority of the workforce working from home at the moment, is that more difficult? But it doesn't need to be. I don't think it does. Apart from presenteeism, um, do companies value any other um, any other parts of having a, a, an office um, or a headquarters? Do they see any other intangible benefits? Uh, I definitely think so. And somebody asked me a question the other day um, on an interview, which is around, you know, is this the death of the office? And will we all be working from home in the future? And, and actually, my kind of point of view is actually, I do think we still need an office environment. And I think just talking from a personal perspective, also talking to friends and colleagues, we kind of miss going into that office environment. We miss the sense of community, that kind of social interaction. And, and of course, a uh, an office is much more than just the quantum of the people. It's often your kind of brand identity and your reputation. And if you're starting um, a, a, new, a new job, as my daughter has in this kind of pandemic period, you're not really getting the sense and understanding of, of that brand and that organization as you work from the dining room table, as opposed to being able to go into that office environment. So I think there is definitely a future um, for for an office, it will probably look and feel quite different in the future. In fact, I was chatting to a, um, a banking client the other day and they were saying, well, you know, in terms of our newly designed office, we don't want any desks at all. We want collaboration space and we want meeting hubs and we want rooms that we can work in and creative areas and breakout space. And actually, you know, from their perspective, they were saying, well, you know, we want to work from home and collaborate from the office. So then it's about the tasks that you're going to do and choosing the right environment for you to go and work in. Um, and for, for some activities, you know, an office, a physical office where you can get face to face contact and that kind of social connectivity 
and the sense of community is incredibly important. And for other activities, if I want to sit and write a report this afternoon or do some financial analysis or make some calls, why would I want to travel an hour or a couple of hours into an office environment to sit at a desk to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Richie and I were speaking the other day um, and I think we mentioned that our first memories of going into the office, that butterfly feeling of walking into the office yeah. or walking into Canary Wharf, you know, people aren't having that. But I suppose it's important to remember that working from home in COVID is not working from home in post-COVID. No, it's not normal circumstances. This is this is us being at home in a pandemic trying to work. It's very different, isn't it, to having, yeah. you know, a totally different kind of environment. And you know, I really do feel for people at the moment who have got, you know, young children that they're trying to homeschool or looking after elderly relatives or or just don't have the space in their shared flat, you know, to be able to um, to work in a productive way. And, and you really do feel for these people. Um, but in hopefully some kind of post-COVID, if we ever get to that, or certainly less restricted world of work, um, the working from home experience might be actually quite different from what people are feeling at the moment. And I think that's a positive thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, with one of the benefits of of the uh, COVID situation lasting almost a full year is that we're getting a whole mm -hmm. year's worth of data on on yeah. how people work from home, how people operate, and and mm. um, and also how the demand for the office is also seasonal. If people are giving more, given more flexibility, so if a, if a winter yeah. storm's rolling in, you know, you're mm. and people have have the choice whether to come to the office or to work from home many more people will stay at home because for you know for well, obvious absolutely. reasons so yeah that make, makes me think how do organizations plan for capacity going forward um so with it infrastructure lots of the, the cloud-based platforms let you scale on demand you know scale up and down mm -hmm. depending but that's much harder mm -hmm. with, with real estate so how are organizations planning for that that future capacity. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting point, isn't it? And it's certainly from a personal reflection, in the last week or so, when we've had quite a bit of snow here in Nottinghamshire, um, I haven't missed the commute, <laughs> the, the, the alarm clock, you know, at five o'clock in the morning to get me up to then, you know, do a drive and the train and then two tubes to get into central London to work. So, um, so I certainly think that, um, that people it will really support organizational personal resilience being able to work in this way and i think the last 12 months or so have, have really proved that i think the capacity point is really interesting isn't it and there needs to be there needs to be a way of trying to capture through through various different data sources what the kind of ultimate um space requirement is going to be for organizations and certainly clients that i've been talking to um, I've been doing a lot of survey work recently around how people are feeling at the moment, what their preferences are likely to be in terms of returning to an office and trying to overlay that with a top down approach where, you know, the exec boards are saying, you know, we, we, we perhaps want to make a radical change around our, our footprint here in terms of our estate footprint. And it's trying to match the two. Um, but I think that's where kind of technology is going to come in um, quite significantly, to be honest, Richie, around how people want to use the office space going forward and how they book space. Because, again, there's a classic and it, it was it was it was before COVID, certainly when you talk to many organisations and they say, well, you know, if we're giving people a bit of flexibility about how they work, well, Monday to Friday, they'll probably be in well, Monday to Thursday, rather, but Friday, the offices will be empty. So how do you deal with that? How do you how do you scale up? To, to meet that demand or demise of demand, depending on what people want. And I think, you know, there's going to have to be some quite clever modeling done and some forecasting and even kind of predictive analytics if you want to get into that kind of area, using technology to think about how people want to work in the future. And then in terms of the property itself, the office itself, it needs to be ultimately flexible in terms of how people can work to cope with those, those kind of peaks and troughs and for people to be able to um, change the the nature of the space as they as they arrive in that office environment you know one day I might want to go in and get a huge team together to do a big kind of um, a big kind of town hall kind of event and I'll want the space to be able to allow me to do that whereas you know another time I might want to have smaller groups of people meeting face to face and so therefore I think the key word is about flexibility so it's about doing that initial data gathering understanding how your business wants to work 
top down and bottom up and then creating an environment where you can be ultimately flexible in terms of the space you know you might we might even be at a stage where you know we, we go in and we're the one that kind of flips the table over and pushes it to the side and pulls up a couple of kind of soft chairs to have the conversation and then the next person who comes in wants that that table put down again and the six of you sitting around it having a meeting so I, I think flexibility is going to be really key and to give us the resilience that we need going forward and clearly we would hope that we would never be in another kind of pandemic situation again but we don't know and so therefore whatever we're starting to design in now into buildings of the future needs to be ultimately flexible and that, that flexibility can also <coughs> um leads to more efficient use of your space and um and using the booking system as well um means you can supply services on demand like for example only yeah. clean areas that have been used you know if possible um absolutely, only clean absolutely. Used. and that really does drive the um getting every penny out of your out of your real estate being able to use it like that yeah so so the role of facilities managers in the future is is definitely going to be changing don't you think you know they're going to have to be really receptive and responsive to the changing needs of of the people that are going into work in those offices and very much more a kind of experience user experience guardian um within a building rather than necessarily you know somebody who'll just come and fix the light bulb or you know help with an issue because it's too hot or too cold in a particular part of the building so this is all about linking back to Sean your point earlier it's a it's about creating that experience and um that that user and customer experience for people coming into the building because home yeah. now is going to be the new benchmark isn't it yeah I mean yeah. part of the one of the jobs that um, facilities managers in the past haven't really had to do is, is attract people in because if there's no mm. flexibility people have to go to their office no matter what is happening there whether they like it exactly. or they hate it yeah. but now if people have got the choice as as a facilities manager or a building manager you have got to work to attract people in you know just mm. like a hotelier would have to uh, attract someone in to come and stay at the hotel you've got to provide the good service you, and people will vote with their feet and they'll be able to vote with their feet and I think when the yeah. pressure comes on and if you look at metrics for efficiency, so, you know, cost per person by utilisation, if nobody's coming in, that cost metric goes up and you'll be, you'll be yeah. judged on something. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so those kind of facilities managers are going to have to think about how they need to change their, their offering, um, perhaps even in terms of some of their skills and capabilities around helping to manage that that new office experience in the future which will be quite different and as I think as you said Richie it's about you know offering something new something different um, that will encourage people to go back into that office environment and I think people's expectations will probably increase as well you know and yeah. if home is the new benchmark yeah. and if you're lucky enough to have space and you know you can go downstairs and boil the kettle and make yourself a cup of tea and make your own sandwich and you can turn the heating up if you're cold rather than the person behind you being mm. too hot and you're too cold kind of thing yep. Yep. then then it's then that's the benchmark that that facilities managers have got to think about as they attract more people back into the office environment what what's going to be different and uh, and and how can they kind of really change and support well-being and productivity mm. um in relation to that yeah, I mean, what I've been saying to my team, sorry, Sean, is that um, you it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a second chance of giving people a first impression. So when they come back to the office after yeah. being away for a year, you know, it's mm -hmm. all you've got that one up one chance, so we've got to do it right. And we've got there's gonna be pent-up demand yes. and we'll see a spike, but it's then keeping yeah. that demand going, you know, through whether it's through Q3 and Q4 or early next year but keeping that demand going and so for me that first when someone walks back in the experience has got to be brilliant it's got to be welcoming it's got to smell great it's got to, they've got to feel good feel feel, feel like good about home. it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so it's touching all those kind of emotions and all those kind yeah. of senses and actually if you do go back in and have a great experience it's going to be oh wow like it's so good to be back in the office but it does feel different and it's great and so you know therefore when I'm planning my you know my week next week or the next month I will organize to go back in you know to, to get that experience again which will hopefully give people a really great lift and, it, and it's not just obviously what's what the practical things are in terms of around the facilities but it's about seeing other people we've missed it haven't we we've really missed that social interaction somebody said to me the other day oh you know I'm really looking forward to seeing you back in the offices and I could just give you a hug <laughs> you know so <laughs> so people have missed that kind of that kind of connectivity with people 
Um, but but at the same time, you know, the physical, you know, environment and the facilities need to be kind of spot on as well. Otherwise, people will say, well, actually, you know what? I do recognize now that I've had to get up really early in the morning. I've had to travel on public transport or whatever to get into this office environment. Is is it worth it? And they'll be doing the kind of equation I would imagine in their head around what, what has been the effort and the time and the, and the cost um, and the cost personally or the cost to the environment or whatever to get into that office environment? Has that experience been worth it? And therefore, if it is, then they'll do it again. If they're not quite so sure, then they'll maybe start to revert back to, you know, more working from home, more using mm. of the technology, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. So your facilities yeah. managers have got, you know, got, got quite, a, quite a lot to live up to, I think, when we, when we start to get that kind of turning down of restrictions and people starting to go back into the office um, because people will want that great experience, I'm sure. Yeah, they will. And, and they, they're one of their biggest competitors to, uh, to someone that runs a, an office is Starbucks. And because people, they, they will work from home or they'll go to a local coffee shop and yeah. you know it's it you're seeing people it's it's nice and clean you're able to get refreshments mm-hmm. you've got internet connectivity there um but i think in the immediate in the short term when people go back that they'll be concerned about going to places like that because they can't guarantee it's been cleaned um yeah. you know it's a bit different so we'll have another a bit bit more of an advantage over 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 starbucks for a little while but for me i think know, you will yeah, yeah, I, I think I think while we should take the opportunity as uh, people that, that manage and run workplaces and go, you know, full bore to make it that best experience possible to get people back, to, just to give it a chance. Richie, yeah, Richie was, it... sorry, I was, I was just about to say, Richie's been telling me he's been giving um, all of his staff virtual hugs recently. Um, <laughs> virtual hugs. I think that's the emoji. Virtual hugs, it? virtual right, hugs it, yeah. or an emoji or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's because it's all about people, isn't it? I mean, you know, p- property and, and facilities are one thing, but actually, you know, what makes a an organization amazing is is all about the people and and how you know how they work together and how they service their customers and you know the um the, the outcomes that they deliver but um, but yeah we've all been missing that <laughs> yeah i mean one of our most valuable team members um one of my most valuable team members works on in one of the coffee bars and they're they're a barrister uh, a barista not a barrister they might be a barrister, <laughs> a barrister. To be a barista. Barista. Yeah. barista barista yeah and they but they know everybody's name and they know everybody's coffee and they yeah. and i love that it's brilliant after we went into lockdown so many people from the business yeah. inquired about them oh who do i speak to to find out how so-and-so is um so they they mm-hmm. had a really big impression on them and that 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 connection you know it, it, making the effort to learn someone's name and making that connection is so very oh it's really important really important i have um I have very fond memories of um of a building that i used to go in many years ago on a regular basis and the guy who was on reception was a bit like that as well. So, you know, took time to get to know the people that were visiting, knew everyone by name. And so when you would come in the next time to visit, it would be like, oh, hi, Suzanne. How are you? And how was your journey from Nottinghamshire? And great to see you in London office today. And and that's the, just um, the most amazing welcome, isn't it? And that puts you in a good mood and it kind of lifts your spirits. And you just think, oh, this is fantastic. Just the kind of welcome that I need from this experience. And I think that kind of thing rich you're absolutely right it's going to be really important as people go back not that we expect everyone to know everyone's names especially in huge organizations <laughs> oh, yeah. but there's something about that welcome that's really important isn't it it's that first point of contact makes a big difference mm, yeah definitely um one of the things i wanted to ask you i didn't get to ask you last time um and i don't know whether or not it's something that comes up a lot within your within your role do 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 clients talk to you about sustainability and if they do, um, how are clients going to measure how sustainable they are in the future if everyone's working from home? Yeah, I think the sustainability question is is really important, and it's being discussed quite openly at the moment. It's on every agenda of you know most meetings that I go into, to be yeah. honest. So it's it's really important, and there's 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 huge questions in relation to that. So some people are saying this whole concept of you know everyone working from home and therefore not having to travel and therefore you're not using the, your heating or whatever the buildings that, that are left etc cetera, etc cetera, is all great but then we're all at home Pumping in the, the winter time at the moment <laughs> and turning up the radiators yeah. and I'm the one that's always told off by my husband like for goodness sake Suzanne put a jumper on you know you don't have to turn the heating up you know another couple of notches 
but it's true and I suppose it's the net impact of that having a lot of people all working from their own homes in terms of our overall kind of carbon footprint and uh, and our our level of kind of sustainability but I think in terms of organizations especially when they're going forward now thinking about well what are we going to do next are we going to rationalize our property portfolio are we going to close some of our buildings are we going to refit um any of them And, and if so is there a kind of a um an element here around retrofit around the whole kind of carbon issue you know what what do we do to be more sustainable as we start to think about that property portfolio going forward um and that relates to you know sort of heating and light lighting and boiler replacements and, and all kinds of very kind of practical things as well as obviously thinking about how people work within those buildings and making sure that um that sustainability is sort of top of their mind as well. So it's most definitely on the agenda from all different angles, I think. I wonder how how much kind of liability companies will have over um, their employees, um, you know, kind of use of power within their own homes and heating and stuff like that, and are they in energy efficient Mm -hmm. homes? And will there be kind of like an added benefit um, in terms of their compensation? You know, here's so much money to, to invest in your own homes. Maybe that's something for the future. Yeah, it could be something for the future. I think certainly the businesses that I've been working with prior to COVID, when we were starting to talk about this kind of smarter way of working and working more flexibly. And the question obviously came up around, well, you know, from an employee perspective, if you want me to work from home two days a week, then are you going to give me some kind of compensation towards my heating bills and lighting bills and kind of running costs of the home? And, um, and certainly at that point, the, the general consensus was that no, actually, there wouldn't yeah. be a payment towards that, because then the expectation, if you kind of net up the whole equation, is that then the individual wouldn't be having to, you know, spend time and cost in terms of travel, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there generally was a feeling that that wouldn't be supported. What, what was being supported and has been supported through COVID with a lot of companies is around making sure people have got the right physical setup at home. So to have the right, you know, kind of desk, chair, um, whether it's a laptop riser or a separate keyboard or whatever, to make sure that from a kind of health and safety perspective, they're set up in the most appropriate way that they can. Um, And, you know, lots of companies, including my own in terms of Arcadis, have been able to give, you know, sort of financial compensation towards being able to support, you know, a a setup at home. But then depending on who you are, not everyone has space for a a full-size desk Mm. or you know, an office chair because you might be actually working from your kitchen and you can't fit a proper desk in there. It's literally going to have to be the the work the worktop or you know the breakfast bar or the kitchen table or the lounge the lounge um, table. Um, but I think as as time goes on and depending, I suppose, on how things are rolled out over the coming months and years, then maybe that question, Sean, about you know giving people some kind of compensationary payment around that kind of thing. And I just suppose it depends on the number of days that there is an expectation that people will work from home as opposed to going into an office environment. But I certainly think it's something that people will start to think about again. Yeah, because otherwise there'll be a kind of a a massive um, dip in companies' um, carbon footprint. And all of a sudden, they've got no offices. So they'll be really Mm -hmm. sustainable, even though they've got 20,000 employees at home using their computers you know yeah exactly and it depends on the formulas that they're using to work out their overall kind of mm. sustainability you know um performance indicators or their kind of returns on those indicators whether they take into account the fact that it may be great that they've shut three buildings but they have got three thousand people now working from home all you turning up the heating and using their fires and obviously got the lights on because it's so so dark by the time it gets to five o'clock etc um, so I suppose those that are looking at it more in the round would need to take that into consideration as well. But then it's kind of exactly how you measure that. Very complicated. Be quite mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I think there's a, a, a fundamental desire by people to leave home, um, to, to, to go to work, um, the majority of people. Um, but a lot of them will want the opportunity to leave home and, and stay local. Do you think businesses are... Mm. are will shift or are already shifting to provide local kind of hubs for for their staff yeah i think there i think there will be a shift actually um to work more locally and again just an example of a a business that i worked with before covid they were thinking about how they would start to use some of the more local operational properties rather than necessarily expect everyone to come in into into a city center and to work so again it's just kind of opening up other 
aspects of choice so you know you could work from home or work from a local let's just say a library or you know whatever or space in another building a more local building or kind of go into a main office um, and I think there's a there's a kind of propensity that some organizations will also start to think about kind of sharing properties you know sort of co-location with other organizations you know the, this whole concept of having a hub um, which is being pushed out by government at the moment around, you know, bringing lots of departments together in a in a city or in a location where people from different parts of government can go and work rather than necessarily one building for one department, one building for another department, etc. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of a lot of organisations are looking at. You know, can you can you work local? Because then you get you get the best of both worlds in a way, then don't you, Richie? Because then you've got yeah. less commuting time. Um, but you're still going into work in that kind of that corporate hub where you do get that kind of connectivity and collaboration and you can meet people face to face, but without some of the other um, downsides around kind of travel and, you know, the, the kind of whole kind of environmental question as well. So I definitely think it will be it will be part of the mix in the future. And, and some examples of, you know, big organizations, you know, based in central London in big towers thinking, well, you know, I had seven and a half thousand people working in here um, up until COVID and now they're all working from home. Why would I want to get them all back into a tower <laughs> in central London, you know, in Canary Wharf or whatever? Can't I get them to work more locally in a kind of in, in a branch or in an operational um, location that's much closer to home? So, so I think that will definitely be part of the mix going forward. Yeah, it can also de-risk if, if they work in a regulated environment, being able to go onto mm. a, uh, one, a company, some company-owned premises where the where the hardware yeah. and, and network connectivity is available. It's carrying out mm. some of their tasks. Um, um, they can take away some of the risk of, of people doing it from home, where if the technology fails and they you know use mobile phones rather than lines that recorded etc stuff like that so yeah it's okay so it's a kind of resilience issue as well isn't it in terms of yeah. and depending of course on the nature of the work that you're doing you may have to go into a kind of a, a more of a secure type environment especially mm. from a technological perspective to do that you know so you know back to your point earlier about it's it's not always the local coffee shop that's going to be ideal it depends mm. on the nature of, of the conversation and if you need to do something that requires kind of access to some systems or you know data or to have a, a certain type of conversation you're not going to want to do that in a local coffee shop you might want to do that in a, a local premise that belongs to part of your organization but rather than having to travel perhaps much further to get into a city center so lots of options here depending on mm. and, and I think I think that's the that's one of the real positives about this because if, if organizations really embrace this concept of, of flexible working and, and working in a smarter way, then it's about choice and it's about choice of where you work, um, you know, in relation to the kind of tasks that you've got to do at any particular time, day, day, week, month, etc. Um, you can think about where is the best place for you to work. You know, work, work has got to be seen as something that you do, not necessarily a single place that you go to. Funny enough, on that note, um, I was speaking to a friend um, today, so yesterday, and he mentioned that his his son had just started a role um, and their first memories of work has all been on has all been online um, and they've had none of those kind of you know none of those memories of you know walking in um, you know slightly slightly afraid but excited at the same time and so it's so important to um, you know it, it kind of shapes you um, and certainly kind of you know aspiring to be your manager the way they you know the way they interact with people mm -hmm. the way they kind of walk in the office all that kind of stuff yeah yeah I know and I've, I've got the same kind of personal experience with my own daughter who's started a job during lockdown and and uh apart from a couple of uh, trips to go into the office um where there have been hardly any people there maybe just one or two to kind of meet her to hand over her laptop and uh, and talk her through a few things um she's she's done everything from home and literally you know from the front room with a bit of a makeshift desk that we pulled together for her but um but but that time will come back i think because you know a real hope and i kind of touch wood here that you know with the vaccine and the developments that we're seeing over the last couple of months you know we will return to to the to some kind of new office normal where you know your your friend's um, child and, and my daughter will will get that experience of going in and, and having those kind of conversations and meeting up with their colleagues and and maybe being able to 
um, you know, clearly get more involved in the kind of social side of work as well and have those kind of conversations rather than doing everything on, on Zoom or Teams or, or whatever uh, platform that people are using. So I think it will, I think it will come. It's just been delayed, as I keep saying to her. She says, oh, I'm desperate yeah. to meet people and see people face to face and understand a bit more about the organization. But I think it will come and I think we'll just need to be patient. But the benefit that we've had during this time is that you know, firms have invested in the technology, you know, we have all got used to, you know, video conferencing and using Zoom and Teams and others. And, um, and at least that gives us a, a sense of connectivity, it might not be in an, the ideal. Um, but I think that will be supplemented by when we do get back to some kind of office um, way of working, even if it's just a few days a week. Um, I think that'll be a, a good mix. Can you imagine if this happened 10 years ago? It would be crazy. Oh, can, it would be crazy. And you'd really worry for, you know, so many businesses and so many critical services just not being able to function. You know, I was talking to a local authority the other day and they were saying that they were on the brink before COVID of investing huge amounts of money and rolling out more laptops and, yeah. um, you know, sort of access to, to teams, et cetera. And, you know, literally COVID hit, the majority of their staff had to go work from home. And as a management team, they had to make very, very quick decisions indeed to purchase that technology, to get it rolled out, to you know, support people with the training and the adoption of that. And, and when we reflected on it in a conversation, we said, well, you know, if COVID hadn't come along, it might have taken them three, five, even maybe more years than that to decide to invest in that technology away from their kind of more standard and traditional desktops and and the, the technology that they were using before so again another positive out of this is that decisions by the very nature of what has been happening in terms of the circumstances have had to be made very quickly and then of course management teams you know um you know around the board table are now saying well we shouldn't ever be going back to making such slow decisions on some things you know maybe wow, we should yeah, be thinking definitely. about you know taking decisions more more rapidly and and yes there's a leap of faith in some aspects of this but in others you know you don't have to procrastinate around some of these things you just need to get them done and you you need to take yeah. that leap of faith to understand that these things can work and can give you huge amounts I've of been, benefit i've been so um encouraged by how companies have adapted during this period of time yeah. and amazingly yeah. some of those companies were were organizations that used to struggle to get a laptop to um an employee on their first day yeah it'd come yeah. three weeks later now they're getting yeah. laptops to their employees mobile phones three weeks before they start it's really impressive yeah. mm. it's really impressive there's lots of lessons to be learned in that you know and and if we hadn't had that kind of speed of reaction you know we wouldn't have been able to be delivering you know really critical services to many many people and um, and i think you know more businesses would have been massively impacted um, in terms of, of, of survival more than anything else if, if those kind of decisions hadn't been made really rapidly. But I think as it shows as, as a, you know, as a nation, you know, we can, we can be agile and we can, we can turn our hand to anything if we really need to. And if we're put in a difficult position, then we will make decisions more quickly um, yeah. and, you know, you know to, to, to be able to preserve what we're trying to deliver no matter what kind of business that we're in. So yeah. implementation is great. But how about innovation at the moment? I think that's the question that, that we're trying to figure out. In terms of innovation, I think it's still happening in lots of businesses. It's, you know, I think it's um, just because we've changed the location of where we're working doesn't mean that we're still not thinking about how can we do things differently in the future? How can we innovate? How can we start to use technology in a very, very different way? And I think in some ways that's also helped to accelerate that journey. Because now we know we can do the basics. So, you know, back to the previous story about just rolling out laptops. Well, now that we've got, got the laptops, you know, we shouldn't just be using them in the way that we used our desktops. You know, we should be using those collaboration tools. We should be able to, you know, develop that documentation in a fraction of the time that we did before, because now we can all be on the same document at the same time, working yeah. in real time mm. to, to create something. Um, and, and we can still get, you know, Get, get on a team's call and have a conversation about you know how we how we improve uh, and how we stretch the boundaries of our innovation so in some ways I think it's just helped us to to jump into that headspace really and change our mindset I mean that that agility that it gives an organization moving from desktop to laptop um, I always mm -hmm. think of a desktop as somebody's anchor to their desk their own personalized space yeah. that no one can invent. <laughs> yeah 
And so when I, it's seeing at somebody else's desk is, I find it a bit like staying in an Airbnb where there's photos of somebody else's kids on the mm. wall watching you, watching you yeah. eat. Or my gym kit. Yeah, exactly. Your, your yeah, gym. or somebody's jacket on the back or, yeah. you know, a chair that says, you know, this belongs to Suzanne, do not move, do not yeah. sit here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting, isn't it? And again, you know, before COVID, going in to visit lots of different types of organisations um, and many of them saying, yes, you know, we work flexibly and we allow people to move around and choose a different desk to work at. But to your point, Richie, you know, do you really want to be sitting at somebody's desk that have got their cereal packet and, you know, their, their plant and their stress ball or whatever they have on their desk? And even if it has got a sign above it saying, you know, hot desk, yeah. <laughs> you don't really want to. Well, to sit there because you feel like you're invading their privacy but, but, but you know, it's about moving away from that isn't it so it's about moving away from the personalization of that space and giving people the freedom to work to work in different places and again this goes back to the whole concept of the you know do we need a desk do we really need a desk and in mm. fact if you have different types of spaces to work in then and you've got you've got the technology so you carry your laptop around or whatever um, you can work in lots of different spaces and that's surely much better for your well-being as well rather than kind of chained to one desk every day but people do like their own personal stuff around them don't they so that <laughs> they is do. cultural change that we need to move away from it really is and you can only normally make that change at say if in a headquarters building if you're in any of your lease and move in and it'll be part of that when you're in your, your new shiny office we're moving to mm -hmm. flexible desks and you'll have a locker and you can kind of mm -hmm. make that big hit but now it's an opportunity for companies to you know to to go and do that just for capacity mm. management under covid secure conditions where you may be down to something like 20 percent of the desks available to yeah, you yeah. you have to have that flexibility so that mm. i think that's going to be something that, that for a lot of organizations will carry on afterwards you know people get used to to booking to come in um but but and you do have to cater some people do have needs either it's a s specific technology or a type of chair or yes of course of course and, yeah. And, yeah and 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 that that's fine you have you you have to cater for that too but the you know the vast majority of people you know can sit at a, at a standard desk and an ergonomic task chair and will benefit mm -hmm. from sitting next to somebody different if it's just seeing talking about innovation if it's just seeing somebody carrying out a process a day-to-day -day process yeah that you do as well and they do it slightly differently or there's a bit of an improvement mm -hmm. you kind of pick up from that oh so oh that's how you do that kind of formula or that's how you use enter a new job onto the system i think that that can be really valuable too and we're kind of missing exactly. out on those at the moment yeah, and that relates to the innovation piece, but also I think in terms of learning and training. And I suppose if we go back to kind of the pre-COVID days, if you were kind of a new employee coming in and a trainee or whatever, and you'd be sitting with other team members, it's amazing how much you learn from just seeing and listening to what's going on around you. And I think that's one of the things that people have missed quite a bit because you haven't, you, you're sat on your own, you know, obviously yeah. you haven't got the people around you. You can just sort of say, oh, can you just show me what you've done? Or I've got a question, you know, can you help with this? You're having to then say, oh, I'll just send them a message on Teams or I'll have to phone them or whatever, you know, to mm -hmm. ask that question. So, you know, some of the feedback that we've had is that that some of that learning, I think, has been compromised a little bit by the fact that we haven't been face to face. But, but you know, if you then, to your point, Richie, if you're mixing people up a bit more, you're getting to know other people in your organization and you discover things that you'd never have known if you were kind of always sat at your yeah. same desk with your own pot plant and your own papers around you. Um, so there's lots of positives around being able to allow people to work more flexibly within the office, as well as the fact that, you know, we're talking about here, but working sort of from home or kind of, you know, in other kind of local locations. But, um, mm. but yeah, moving around within the office is, um, is a really good thing to do. Yeah. And you, you mentor lots of uh, people that are just starting their career journeys, don't you? And, and are you, how are you meeting that challenge and, and helping them to kind of fill those gaps? Yeah, it's, it's challenging, isn't it? And especially those that have just started and, and you know, maybe got their first job out of university or, or, or through training um, into the organisation. And, um, and it's, it's taking, it's taking more, more of my time, which I'm absolutely happy to invest in to help and support those individuals on their journey. Because, of course, they're starting out and you want them to have an amazing experience and think they've got a great career ahead, you know, with the organisation. So, you know, as a as a senior director in the business, I absolutely feel that it's my duty. And personally, it's something that I really like to do 
um, is, is to work with those individuals and encourage them to kind of reach out and help help to connect them. And there's, there's, there's also quite a bit of reverse mentoring that I do as well in the organization. So with the more junior members of staff and obviously myself as a, as a, as a partner, you know, what, what can they bring in to help kind of teach me to do things in a different way or look at things from a different perspective and then kind of vice versa of what can I do to help them, to connect them, to point them in the right direction, to give them um, a, a, you know, a specific kind of point of view or to help them with a tool or a methodology or an approach or an understanding of a situation. Um, so I think it works both ways. I think that's a really, really positive thing to have in an organisation. Yeah. What kind of stuff are the, um, are the younger member of staffs teaching the older member of staffs? staffs, staffs oh, anything tech, anything techie, anything techie, anything <laughs> yeah. to do with technology and social, social media, media and yeah. all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, because they, they've you'd just been brought up in that, you know, generation where it's just second nature and they don't even think mm. about it. Yeah, um, I, you know, I suppose coming uh, to work for those guys is not the first time that they've started relationships with other people that are purely online because they will have... Yeah. They will have lots of relationships and lots of connections online, whether it's gaming or social media, that yeah, they never exactly. meet. And hopefully they'll yeah. get to meet you in person at some point. But Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they've got no they've got no issues at all about, you know, using any of the technology. You know, so so you know where where the kind of issues have been haven't been the fact that, you know, here's your laptop set up and you know work your way through kind of online learning and connect with people and they're like yeah yeah absolutely fine because mm -hmm. they just feel that it's kind of second nature it's part of their dna whereas maybe it's not in terms of other members of the team and so there's, there's always always things to learn from every every generation in a business it'd be interesting to um be interesting when you meet a lot of people that you've only met online and uh yeah you'll be we're thinking, cool, you're a lot taller than, than Yeah, exactly, because everyone's been sat down. It's hilarious, big. isn't it? <laughs> they won't think that when they meet me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Craig, I didn't realise you were six feet tall or whatever, you know. How, how are you in your team and organisation sort of tackling that and trying to do the best you can? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very similar kind of thing. I mean, if you think back to the, um, to the first lockdown, I mean, the weather was fabulous, wasn't it? I mean, we had yeah. this incredible kind of early summer and people were able to yeah. get out and take their exercise and get some fresh air and enjoy, you know, the, the nature and, and the environment that was around them. And I think then, you know, people have kind of gone up and down, I think, in terms of their well-being and their, and their kind of their moods. And in fairness, you know, at the point we're at now where we've got dark mornings and dark evenings and we've had really pretty rubbishy weather, haven't we, in terms of rain and snow and all the rest of it, it does impact people's mood quite considerably. Um, especially if they feel that they're working, you know, really long days, staring at the screen, you know, doing lots of kind of intensive work and, and intensive meetings. So we've absolutely been doing, um, you know, a lot of work proactively to support people. And whether that's, you know, organizing kind of coffee chats, you know, lunchtime, let's all get together and eat our sandwich together and just we're not going to talk about anything to do with work. We're going to be talking about everything else, you know, how people are and what they've been up to and, um, sort of sharing recipes or films that they're watching on Netflix or whatever it happens to be and just just trying to do some of that replication of the social aspect you'd have in the office or the water cooler kind of conversation but but do that obviously you know through the technology and do that from from my home to their home kind of thing and you know I've been getting together groups of people we um in our team we've been mixing up all of the different cohorts and so every every couple of weeks or so we get a new a new set of people come together um you know just to have a coffee chat and just to literally take 45 minutes out of the day to chat to each other and to check in and and it's been amazing because a little bit like what we we're talking about before about sitting next to somebody different in the office if you kind of mix up your staff on a call and you've got 10 of you and you've actually never met each other before, you might work in different offices in the business. Um, it's just great to get to know each other. It's like, oh, crikey, I didn't know we had an expert in this particular area or, oh, that's really interesting in terms of what you've been doing outside work or whatever. And it's just a really lovely way of breaking sometimes the cycle and, and monotony of, of the, the, the general day mm -hmm. by doing something a little bit different. And people have had like quiz nights and pizza nights and all that kind of thing, you know, kind of socials at the end of the day. But, but to do something even in, in the middle of the day, just to break things up and just to check in on people. And you, and you can tell then because everyone's got their camera on 
those that are being a bit quieter and not, re not really engaging in the conversation. And then you kind of get those signs that, oh, maybe I'll just kind of drop that person a quick note and just say, hi, you know, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. And is there anything I could do to help? You know, just pick up, pick up the phone if you want to have a chat, I'm here. And I think that kind of proactive communication and engagement um, is really important. It was important right from the beginning. Um, of lockdown but as you said Richie it was more about the novelty and it's like oh well we'll only be you know we might just be here for four weeks or whatever and now nearly a year later yeah. we're still working this way so I think you can never communicate enough with your staff and you can never engage enough and you just need to keep that going you need to make that part of your mantra and, and part of your DNA as a business to make sure that you're doing that checking in and um, and checking on people's well-being really important Maybe we were taking some <laughs> of that so stuff. many are homeschooling <laughs> that's driving people crazy I think yeah <laughs> It definitely is. I think I think also just to add to that, um, people who are being maybe a bit more mindful than they were previously. I think maybe previously people were taking some of that for granted, um, but now they're having to be very conscious about people's kind of well-being. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll see some some improvements in 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 how people manage people in the future. They'll take I some of this so. stuff that they've learned and they'll kind of transfer that into kind of post-COVID, actually face-to-face -face management. You'll get the best yeah. of both worlds, so hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a there's a difference, isn't there, Sean, in terms of when we've been working from home and it's a bit like, you know, a conversation from my home into your home. And it, it creates a different setting for that kind of conversation where I found that <laughs> people are um, often a bit more kind of open with you rather than kind of sitting suited and booted in an office yeah. in a very formal kind of environment. Well, I've seen, I've seen two of your rooms, brought, Suzanne. I, I think the first the first time was it was in one of your bedrooms and now it's in the uh what's this the uh the living room maybe no no this so this is the redecorated spare room oh so, yeah, so, so it's, the same room. it's the same room it's the same room as i was wow. in before but we've Very had it decorated impressive. and i've got this new Very unit sweet. and i've got in some some plants and you know some bits and pieces just to make it feel a bit more kind oh. of like my mini office <laughs> so is that is that is that what it's what people do to, to make people think they've got a huge house keep redecorating they're in another room each time and uh, just put looks... some different wallpaper yeah, yeah I, I did see that a um uh, a company that supplies books to film sets has, has had a thousand percent increase in inquiries oh i was people... reading that the other day as well yeah. Yeah. And, and people are they're not ordering titles they're ordering books by the color because they go with their, with yeah. their color coordinated i mean come on that's crazy isn't it yeah, but I think there's something really lovely about having plants in the room. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what people feel, but um, but I certainly think they're they're really good. They kind of well, they certainly lift my mood. And um, and I've got a little bit more into uh, house plants since since the start of COVID. I have to say because prior to that, um, I was an absolute plant killer. You know, I was away a lot mm. and traveling, and you know, not many plants yeah. survived in my house. And not the rest of the family didn't water them particularly well. But um. <laughs> Yes, I'm into my plants now, so I've got a few around the house which um, I'm caring for, and they're coming on nicely. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I, I bought, bought a smart garden at the start of lockdown, so um, to grow herbs indoors, and it's app. Oh, nice! And it was actually a real conversation piece. It was behind me for for months, and people saw it growing. And if I had a monthly meeting with someone, they said, "Oh, wow, the basil's looking great now. It's it's it's, it's getting huge there." And um, yeah, it was a real conversation piece. And it's funny, all the things that used to be embarrassing on a conference call when you're working from home, like a dog barking mm. or the kids. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's all acceptable now. It breaks down, you know, people are, are much um, much more appreciative of that, that home life is normal life. And working from home is not, um, you know, it's, it's not, you're not skiving off by working from home, you know. And that was the, I, I really love that. that it, we, we, we recorded a podcast with... Um, with, with with somebody a few weeks ago and during the podcast his daughter walked in stood right next to him picked up some mm. things off the desk smiled yes. and, and went away and there was you know yeah she yeah came in several times actually didn't she yeah, She's yeah, completely, oh, uh, that's great because i mean that's life you know this is our reality at the moment and if you have to sit there with the dog on your knee or you know say excuse me for a moment and go and tell one of the children to you know not practice their clarinet just right outside the door i mean yeah. i've had all, all sorts you know animals children <laughs> the other day i was on a call and um a colleague of mine has got two two small children obviously you know homeschooling at the moment and he had one sat on either side of him <laughs> at, at the kitchen table and they both wanted to wear headsets like daddy and he, he had you know coloring books and things out and every so often they'd just look up and wave on the call 
you know and so the kids are there they're part of the family this is this is how we're working at the moment so it's absolutely fine and I think you're right Richie the kind of that level of tolerance about you know you don't have to sit in a suit and and sort of shirt and tie or whatever and you know but you because you're at home and you're trying to work and you're trying to do the best you can and I think we just need to be more tolerant a bit kinder to people to kind of understand people's circumstances and that they're not always going to be available um to take a call when you want to take a call they might have to be working into the evening because in the day they've got to do homeschooling and and all of that kind of thing you know we're we're seeing um with our clients and in our own organization at the moment and um and and we're adapting to it and we're just being agile to work around it and still still doing really well as a business but um but in incredibly difficult circumstances. Yeah. Do you think we have to, as we start to return back to the office, um, we have to think about expectation management um, around people being available all the time. So at the moment, we're back to back in meetings because you're not walking mm. to meeting rooms. You're not you're not traveling across the city to see someone or getting on a plane. Yeah. You know, you're you're the expectations you're available for the whole time your calendar shows that you're you're at work. Do you think people are going to have to get used to to that not being the case anymore when we're not when we're not glued in front of I think you're right I think we'll have to kind of readjust because it's really interesting in terms of working from home and people thinking oh well you know Suzanne's not traveling into London today so I'm able to just put a you know a meeting in her diary at 7 30 in the morning and then you get other clients which say oh you know Suzanne's not traveling in the evening so I'll just put a meeting in the diary at 7 30 in the evening and so all of a sudden your day is just kind of lengthened considerably but when we do get back to some kind of new normal with regard to working I think there will be a yet another kind of shift in terms of mindset and understanding about the fact that people are you know traveling it, it doesn't mean they're available to be able to mm. work at that time and uh and yeah and, and i think people will adapt to that and appreciate it yeah quick one suzanne as somebody in the uh, at the very center of innovation in workplace um what's the most interesting or the most innovative product or service that you've seen in the in the last year um, I was I was just talking to some people about this the other day, actually, in terms of technology, and we covered kind of innovation a little bit um, earlier on. And we, I was talking to some clients about trying to help people to kind of visualize what they might like to see in a workplace going forward. And we were talking about, you know, um, sending out kind of virtual reality headsets to staff where they could actually then potentially walk through a building and then start to think about, well, you know, that would be a great kind of space to work, but not there and need that kind of furniture. And, you know, it would be maybe really good to have a kind of a cafe area over here. And so it's starting to use, you know, some really clever tools in the workspace um, environment to help design what the future might look like. So some quite interesting sort of funky kind of things going on there. I think the other one is just around the whole data piece and around intelligent buildings and starting to think about you know how do we go on to the kind of next generation of of sensors and and apps and um and touchless technology about how you move around a building and i think that's going to be really interesting and for the for the organizations that are really forward thinking around how they redesign the office of the future i think they'll be thinking about using quite a lot of that kind of technology um, you know, for staff to interact with and to get a really fantastic experience. Um, we, funnily enough, looked at a product um, last week, didn't we, Richie, which we found really, really innovative. And I think Richie will probably do a better um, job at describing what it is because he's actually used it. But that was kind of 3D visualisation of, of an office space, um, <laughs> a, bit like, a bit like Google Maps, but in your building, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. creating really a good. digital twin of the building and and then digital also twins, having, yeah, 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 just having yeah. it as a, as a repository to store to walk through view and then manuals, drawings, that kind of thing. Um, and something mm. else that I've seen they're doing is the um, is you're able to also virtualize some um, electrical mechanical equipment and click through to control mm. panels and adjust control panels in the cloud online in the virtual 3D environment that you walk around. Yeah, with. exactly. So it's amazing, isn't it? So there's, there's so much technology around the potential kind of design of the building and from a kind of property management, facilities management side of things. But I think also on the user experience side, when you're looking at what to design and and, and giving people um, that understanding of what it could be like to work in a very, very different way. I think, you know, similarly, that technology is available now. So we should be using that in the, in the design and the, and, the, and the refit of our buildings going forward to really engage people in what that might look like. And lastly, um, just to finish up, 
Um, what are your positive predictions for 2021? So um, I tend to be a very um, glass half full kind of individual. So I'm really hoping that we kind of meet all the targets in terms of kind of vaccines and the number of cases going down and the pressure coming off of the NHS, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of predicting that as we get into the early summer, we'll start to see um, uh, a flow back into the kind of office environment. But, you know, giving people what they want around that balance of being able to work flexibly from home or more locally, but also to be going back to some of our, as you said before, kind of our, our iconic um, office buildings and, uh, and having an opportunity to meet people face to face and really connecting those communities again. So I, yeah. I'm kind of suggesting early summer as an optimist. Will we ever <laughs> shake hands again? <laughs> yes we will we will i'm sure we will at some point at some point we might have to sanitize our hands first and afterwards but yeah we <laughs> can't wait can't wait for that same Suzanne, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for um coming on to the podcast with us twice um i think um i think i'm gonna owe you uh, a lunch when i when i move up to nottingham um, absolutely I'll take you up on that it's been a pleasure as always chatting to you guys yeah, thank, thank you very much for inviting thank you so me much. thanks Suzanne. thank you thanks, thanks.